David, you're riding in my wake, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm riding in your wake. I have been doing this for years and years and years. You come on, and within like a month, you're getting these raves. So, yes, thank you. Thank you very much for ruining my day. (laughs) Hey, Amy, how are you? Good. How are you? How's your food week this week? My food week. Well, in honor of today's episode, which is all going to be about apples, apples, Mm, mm, apples, mm. because we know that you're the big (laughs) apple geek. uh, I made an apple and sausage pie with a cheddar cheese crust. In your well, honor. Well, that sounds pretty similar to one I have in my I know. book. I was very upset to see that. I thought I was going to surprise you with something, and I realized <laughs> it's something you make all the time. So sad. Well, that's so sweet of you. <laughs> this is a, a, so my book is The Apple Lover's Cookbook, right. and there's a recipe in there for a pork and apple pie with cheddar sage crust, but yes. this sounds... Delicious. Is this from your website, Leeds Culinaria? No, it's actually from Kate McDermott, who is the pie lady. So she has a recipe for sausage and apple pie, and I decided to put the cheddar crust. But I also put a little cayenne pepper in there, too, which is really very nice. A little heat in the crust with the cheddar. Uh So it's like having one of those cheese sticks and this apples inside. Oh, nice. That sounds great. It's wonderful. How about yours? What was your week like? Fall for me is not dependent on the position of the sun and the earth, but instead it's on the making of my grandmother's apple crisp. And Mm. it's an unusual recipe. It is not your typical oat and walnut and brown sugar crust. This is a recipe she found in a 1937 issue of Country Gentleman magazine. And I actually have the original clipping, which I treasure. Oh, you have to put that on social media when this airs. I know, I will, I will. Yes, that's a great idea. The topping is almost has the texture of like a cross between a biscuit and a snickerdoodle cookie. It's almost more like a snickerdoodle where it's kind of crusty on top and Mm -hmm. soft underneath. It's like flour, sugar, baking soda, salt, and two eggs. Oh, that's different. That's the only liquid. So you mix it together until it gets crumbly like a streusel. Mm -hmm. You sprinkle that over the apples and then you drizzle a stick somewhere between like half a stick and a stick of butter, depending on, you know, it's a big, it's a nine by 13 pan. Uh, So Paula Dean just entered the room. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then you sprinkle it with cinnamon and you bake it. And uh, it's just for me, it's like absolutely the flavor of childhood. Ames, you have to make this when I get up to Boston. You have to make this I know, for I me. will. And it's so fast and easy, too. I mean, it's 15 minutes through it in the oven. It was mm-hmm. great. Well, that's wonderful. So, yeah, that's the start of fall for me. And it brings my grandma back to memory and, you know, just honors her cooking and, and my memories of it. That's lovely. Well, my pie honors you. Aw, thanks, David. You're welcome. And speaking of honor... We're very honored to see some of the reviews and ratings that you folks have left for us on Apple Podcasts because we keep asking you every week to do this, but we never thought to check. And then suddenly we have all all of these reviews and these ratings about the show. So we would like to read just a couple, and we want to thank our readers for having left them. And you can leave one too if you'd like. Me? I'll leave one. I'll leave a rating. Oh, you're going to leave one? You're going to leave a rate. Yeah. I, 
Yeah. I, I think that's sort of like padding the the, oh, the, yeah, the raves. Right. I actually was talking to our listeners, but you're sure you could oh, leave oh, one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Adam, can you play some really sort of emotional music as I read this? Oh, yes, I surely will. How's this? Oh, that's great. Oh. This comes from Cab Word Puzzler. And he or she or they left it on the 19th of August. Love this podcast, exclamation point. Mm. I started listening to this podcast when I learned that Amy Traverso would be one of the hosts. Yes! (laughs) I love her on Weekends with Yankee. So I knew I would enjoy this listen. David, you're riding in my wake, man. Riding in your wake. I have been doing this for years and years and years. You come on, and within like a month, you're getting these raves. So, yes, thank you. Thank you very much, Cab Word Puzzler, for ruining thank my you, day. Thank you, Cab Word Puzzler. <laughs> we know everybody loves you, David. Well, I've yeah, seen the raves. Anyway, so I just thought I would read that. I, awesome. I don't know if you saw that one, Amy. No, I didn't. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Well, I'm going to read this one from Cindy Eastman. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm going to editorialize a little bit. Okay. okay. So it says, such a fun and informative show. And it says, listening to the show is like hanging out with friends who do cooler stuff than you. I don't know about that, <laughs> but thank you. That That's we like, just sit at our desks so. and work so hard. <laughs> Than you, but are always happy to include you. From snacks to blueberries to Paul Hollywood, there's always something to savor and learn. And I'm only saying this about David. Amy can go (laughs) suck a rotten egg. Oh my God, that's so. Just kidding. You are terrible. (laughs) It it ended at savor and learn. (laughs) Poor Cindy Eastman. Poor Cindy. Sorry, no, Cindy. Thank you for the only kind words. I made up the last sentence. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for those kind words. We have a very hot guest. I mean, really? what? This was a get. This I was mean, a real hot get mess guest. I mean, this was a hard <laughs> get. I worked months and months and months to get this guest. Uh. So difficult she is. <laughs> She's a real diva. Totally. And uh, her reputation precedes her, so buckle up. (laughs) Welcome to today's guest, Amy Traverso. Me! (laughs) There is no one I would turn to more quickly than Amy for any advice (sighs) or any information or recipes about apples. She is the apple queen. (laughs) I am the queen of queens, but you are the apple queen and also the apple nerd. (laughs) I'm an Apple nerd, proudly. Yeah, I would be so hurt if you booked someone else imagine. to talk about apples. I can imagine you sitting heart. there seething, talking about asking a guest. So what is like a baking apple? <laughs> yeah, so you really love Red Delicious apples, don't you? I heard that. I heard you love Red Delicious, and you said so they're anyway, the best Amy, apple. tell me, tell everyone, why do you geek out on apples? So... For me, I had like very conventional apple, you know, childhood, grew up in New England, picked apples once a year, made grandma's apple crisp, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. And then I happened to get married in a small apple orchard. Um, It wasn't even really by design. We were getting married at this wonderful restaurant in Maine, Mm. and they had an apple orchard, which is where they do their weddings. And so the whole wedding became like a harvest festival. Like everything (laughs) was inspired. It was like the colors were like, apple green and rose and red, like if you mm-hmm. picture like a Macintosh apple. Sure. And so it just became all very apple-y. We had caramel apples as party favors. Oh. So 
A few months later, my friend who happens to be a literary agent said, you know, we were just having this meeting and I feel like there's a place in the market for an Apple book. Would you be interested in doing that? And of course, being the like recent bride who's still obsessed with her wedding, I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that would be great. And then I started reading about them. When I started digging deeper, there was so much history and botany that like blew my mind. Mm -hmm. It was so interesting. And apples are threaded throughout human history. And when I realized the number of apple varieties and that there are these antique apple varieties you can still have today, it just all like folded out, you know, it um, unfolded before me. Uh, Yeah. And it was, I worked on the book for five years and I never got bored. I could still, I could write a second volume, you know, and still be interested. So I learned some key facts that really (laughs) shocked me. Shocked you? What could be shocking about apples? Well, okay, let's start with this. Um, We think about like American as apple pie, right? Like apples in America are very close. Big apple, whatever. apple seed, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, guess where apples come from? Well, I never thought about that. France, everything comes from France. (laughs) Actually, apples come from Asia. The sweet apples that we eat today are not at all native to North America. Whereas I pictured, you know, the pilgrims show up and there's like an apple orchard on the That's exactly what I thought. (laughs) And they go and pick. Yeah, exactly. Um, No, apples actually originated in an area of between Western China and Kazakhstan Mm -hmm. called the Tian Shan Mountain Range. Mm -hmm. And if you picture, picture the Rocky Mountains, right? And picture the foothills that lead up to the Rocky Mountains. Mm -hmm. And instead of being covered with like acid, Aspens and uh, aspens and aspen and pine trees and whatever, whatever else. Boy, grows apparently there. your botany ends in apples. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to remember because I used to live in New Mexico. A lot of aspens. Imagine they're covered with wild fruit trees. Wow, they are like apricots, apples, you know, pears, peaches. Mm-hmm. So there are these wild fruit forests that grew, and as humans began passing through these forests, they would take the apples with them, you know, Mm -hmm. put them in their pocket and apples keep pretty well. And so they just started to spread west. And so they show up in ancient Mesopotamian history, in Persian history, in Greek and Roman history. And then apples moved up through the Roman Empire from France where they thrived. See, I knew it was French. Yep, they, they did get there eventually. <laughs> and uh, and then they made their way to England and then they made their way here. So that, wow. was, that just was so cool. And then how did they disseminate through America? Is that the Johnny well, Appleseed story? Yeah, so Johnny Appleseed was actually a real person. He grew up in Massachusetts and moved west. And at that point, like the western edge of the U.S. was, you know, Indiana. But he he was moving out in ahead of the settlers mm-hmm. and planting apples from seed. And so when you plant an apple from seed, you actually get an entirely new apple variety. Every single apple seed is a new variety. Are you serious? Yeah. So that was the other. Like, Wait a I was minute. Like, this so is so cool. If you take a Macintosh and then you get the seeds yeah. and you dry them properly and then you plant Macintosh seeds, you don't get Macintosh trees? It might look like a tiny bitter purple apple for all. Like it could be get so different out of town. from. Yes. So 
apples are what you call heterozygous, which is just like humans. Think about it like people. Mm-hmm. You know, like my sister and I are not identical at all. We're very, you know, we're quite different looking. Mm-hmm. We like each other a lot, but we're, we're, <laughs> we're not identical. And, you know, we have the same two parents. It's just like that with apples. So oh, you have the wow. quote unquote mother tree, and then you have the father, which is, you know, the, the pollen from another tree. Right. And each seed is like a different genetic combination of the genes. So every single seed is a new variety. How cool is all that? Right, but wait a minute. How can then you get an orchard filled with nothing but Macintosh or nothing but Johnny, Johnny Gold or, right. or, or Northern Spy? How do you do that? Right. So you have to clone, which is called grafting. Grafting. So you okay. take a cutting of the Macintosh tree and you splice it onto another mm. tree like rootstock. And you've talked to your dad. My used dad to do used this, to do right? that. That's it. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so you take the cutting and you kind of expose the inner tissue of the branch and you nestle that into a little cozy spot on the rootstock tree and, then you and eventually it. the tissues fuse together yeah. and it produces more and that's the only way to keep these varieties going. And the coolest thing about that is if you think about it, like a Rotsbury russet is the earliest American apple that's still grown today. And that dates back to 60, about 1630. And is that Roxbury, Massachusetts or Roxbury, Connecticut? It's Roxbury, Massachusetts. Nice try. I thought it was my town. Okay, no. (laughs) There's actually a hill in Roxbury where the first orchard was. Yeah, it's, it's really cool that you can actually, you know where it came from. When you think about that cloning process, the grafting. Yeah. Really, the Roxbury russet apple that I may buy at the farmer's market tomorrow is comes from a branch that was cut from a branch that was cut from a branch that was cut from that a branch to that very first, first tree. Wow. So do you see, like, I think apples are this miracle that are hidden in plain sight in the grocery store. And through studying apples, I got to learn about, you know, <laughs> horticulture, although I clearly didn't do so well with the Colorado. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and history and culture and myth, and then also cooking, of course. Mm-hmm. So we have sweet apples now, right? Yeah. Were there always sweet apples or did it start as crab apples, sour apples? So yeah, what's native to North America are right. crab apples, which some of them are actually, I was in a park yesterday and I picked one off a tree and it was quite good. It yeah. was pretty sour, but it had some sweetness. Yeah, we have one in our backyard. Oh, you do? Yeah. I mean, they're very pretty in the spring. They, they bloom are. Oh and they're my gorgeous. gosh, they're gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. So you can, and you can make crab apple jelly, just add a bunch of sugar. But the sweet apples that we're familiar with today, mm-hmm. they had to come from Asia. So in 1620, wow. there were zero sweet apple mm-hmm. varieties, right? Mm-hmm. The first apples came to Jamestown. But then by 1900, the USDA did a survey of all the known apple varieties mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. US and they came up with... 14,000. So <laughs> 14,000. Well, of course, because these are heterogenerous. No, heterogenerous. Heterozygous. They are very generous, but they're heterozygous, yes. <laughs> and for, how did we go from zero to 14,000? It's such a so, you know, 300 yeah, so years. It was, it was really people like Johnny Appleseed who planted from seed. And one of the reasons that happened in the US is because back when 
Europeans were migrating west. If you wanted to take title to land from the mm-hmm. government, you had to plant an orchard because it takes about five years for an apple tree to start producing fruit. And this was one way for the government to kind of make sure that you were planning on sticking around and that you were going to take care of the land and the property. Wow. That you were just going to like take title and then move on and grab some more. You mm-hmm. know, you had to really kind of put down roots, literally. So Johnny Appleseed got out ahead of these people and planted the trees from seed that they would need to take title to their land. But he knew that when you plant an apple from seed, the chances of getting like a delicious, sweet, wonderful, juicy apple are actually fairly slim because apples, when you look at the apple genome, which is actually larger than the human genome, another interesting fact. You were such there are a, a lot geek. more. <laughs> sorry. You really are an apple I, know, I, I love know. it. I love it. <laughs> So there are more genes that code for things like disease resistance and cold resistance and, you know, survival than there are for like beautiful skin and sweetness. So chances are if if you sort of pull that, you know, slot on the machine, the Mm -hmm. slot machine, you're going to come up with like bitter you know, hard and dry. But even those apples you could use to make cider. And cider was a hugely important drink for early Americans. You know, it was a source of, easy source of alcohol. I mean, you take a jug of cider, right? And you leave it in the fridge long enough, you're going to have hard cider. All right, so you're Um, talking hard cider, okay. Because yeah, they needed mm -hmm. to get drunk because of what they were facing here in the new world. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. get drunk every night. And and in some places, you know, cider, and when when I say cider, I'm referring to hard cider. It's funny, like Europeans don't understand why we call apple juice cider. Right. Because for them, it always means alcoholic, but whatever. So hard cider was safer than water mm-hmm. in a lot of places. Yeah, that's true. They I gave it to that. children because it was light in alcohol. Yeah. So and it shut get? them up and they fell asleep quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it was thought to be healthy and, and delicious. And so until beer became more popular with the arrival of Czech and, and German immigrants, apple cider was like the drink of choice. Wow. So all of these orchards were put to good use, even if only 10 of the trees produced sweet fruit for cooking and eating. Wow. And do you like hard cider? I love, honestly, it's what I drink. Like I drink more cider than anything else. I do like wine and I like the occasional cocktail, Mm -hmm. but in terms of what we have on hand at home, it's often cider. Can you get cider year round? Hard cider year round? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you drink it? Like, have you ever had it? I have had it. Uh, What I drink more of or what we get around here is sparkling apple cider. Is that the same thing? No, that's different. There's cider that's made in, oh, here's another interesting, sorry. I'm, this is really cool though. Um, so there's apple wine, which is flat. Right. But did you know this? The method for making bubbly cider was discovered in England. The idea of putting the cider in a bottle, mm-hmm. adding some sugar, corking it. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. Champenoise. That sounds, Method Champenoise. Exactly. That method was invented in England about six years before Dom Perignon started really? doing it in France with grape juice. Uh, yes. Scandal. Yes. So, scandal. Quel <laughs> scandal. So anyway, cider, I love it. There's the really sweet stuff like woodchuck, which, you know, it has its right. place. But there's really much more complex, nuanced 
fun ciders being made. I, I love a place in Massachusetts called Artifact Cider. They sell cider in cans, but it's really good. They use really interesting heirloom apples. There's a place called West County Cider that in Massachusetts that really got the American Cider Revival going back in the 80s. Wow. Um, there's so many good ones. Farnham Hill in, in New Hampshire does really dry, almost French-style ciders. There's a whole world of cider to discover, and they're really being made all over the country. So wherever you live, unless it's like Southern Florida, there's probably, and there may even be ciders being <laughs> made knows? in Southern Florida. <laughs> so let's go from cider to cooking with apples. Okay, So great. I'm your, your average Joe going into the supermarket, and I must have 10 varieties that are looking at me. How do I know what to do with each type of apple? I mean, there's green, there's red, there's all kinds of stuff. Right. Yeah, and it's confusing because they don't come with labels, but like if you cook a Macintosh in a pie, it's just going to melt mushy. into a sauce, right? Yeah. Mushy, mushy. That's how my grandmother actually made pie. And the flavor was great, but I didn't love the texture. And then meanwhile, like a Granny Smith is like really tart and it's mm -hmm. going to stay pretty firm, you know. So what I did when I wrote the book is I created these four categories. There's firm tart, mm -hmm. which are apples like Granny Smith, Smith or Northern yeah. Spy that, you know, hold their shape when you bake them for 45, 50 minutes and that um, have more tartness than sweetness. Mm -hmm. Firm sweet, which is like the sweeter version of that. And then tender tart like Macintosh mm -hmm. and tender sweet, that would be like a Fuji or a Gala. So mm -hmm. the firmness relates to how well they hold up to heat and then the, you know, tartness versus sweetness. Right. And I found that that was a really helpful way to write apple recipes because, you know, there are a lot of apples that fall into these categories. You don't have to have one exact variety. And that way you can find the right apple for the recipe. And honestly, like, I would love for you to buy my book, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> but I already have your that book. <laughs> that chart is, uh, is available online. You is can a kick-ass so, chart. You know, it really yeah. is. And then we'll put that information in the show notes so people can find that chart because it really is so useful. I realized something too. I meant to say Jonna Gold Apple and I said Jonathan Gold. Remember Jonathan Gold, the food writer? Yes. <laughs> Great yes. food, food writer. They should name an apple after him. I said He's Jonathan so Gold wonderful. As opposed to Jonna Gold. <laughs> I just realized that. But anyway, so what are the best apples for apple pie? I, I'll tell you what I use. I use, oh. um, I definitely use Granny Smith. And I mm -hmm. use Northern Spy when I can find it. Yeah. And those are the two that I kind of use most of the time. So that makes a lot of sense because those are both really tart apples. Right. That when you have a buttery crust, you kind of want that acidity mm -hmm. to balance out the richness. And I like it um, to hold up there too picks. inside. Yeah, you want the slices, right? Yes. So Northern Spy is probably considered the ultimate pie apple. That is a 19th century apple from the Northeast. And it actually used to be called Northern Pie Apple. And, really? Uh, yeah, the name morphed to Northern Spy. Northern That's a great apple in general, I say use as many varieties as you can get your hands on because the flavor of apples really ranges from like like a lemony Roxbury russet to the vegetal, almost like green flavor of a Granny Smith. Right. You know, they're flowery galas. They're, they're really yes. quite varied. Yes. So, you know, you want to get as many flavors in there as you can. But if I was going to pick one or two varieties, I would say Northern Spy 
and or Jonna Gold, which is- Oh, the Jonathan um, Gold apple. There we go. The Jonathan Gold <laughs> apple. It's such a good apple. And it has a lot of the qualities of Honeycrisp that mm-hmm. people love. You I know, love the juiciness, the sweet tart balance, the firmness, but it's a lot cheaper than Honeycrisp. So if you see that at your farmer's market, grab grab some Jonna Gold. And can you bake a pie with Honeycrisp? Is it firm enough? Yeah, you can. It's just, it's an expensive pie, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, it's definitely firm enough. I would throw in a couple, if you could, a couple Granny Smiths just to bring a little more acidity, but mm-hmm. yeah, Honeycrisp, it really is a great all-purpose apple. And it's more expensive because, you know, it takes a lot of land and a lot of time to breed apples. And so it's not this horrible like apple conglomerate, you know, but right. the University of Minnesota bred the Honeycrisp and they're yeah. they're kind of earning back their investment. Yeah. yeah. It's a more recent apple too, isn't it? The Honeycrisp. Yeah, yeah. It was brought to market the early 2000s. The most recent like it apple from a couple of years ago is the Cosmic Crisp. Have you had that yes, one? Yes, I have. Actually, Cosmic Crisp people reached out to me um, and sent me yes. a box of Cosmic Crisp. They were wonderful. Yeah. Have yeah. you also had Sweet Tango Apple? Yeah, those are great. Oh my those God, are really they're good amazing, apples. aren't they? Yeah, they're really good also for baking and for pies and things and for eating Eating fresh. out of hand, the, I think they're the, a great apple. Yeah. The trend of apple breeding right now, they're looking for a few things. They're looking for like explosive juiciness, Mm -hmm. an apple that doesn't brown when it's left exposed to oxygen or that doesn't brown quickly. Right. And that kind of sweet forward, but slightly tart flavor, that's the trifecta of like an apple that's going to do well on the market. And Sweet Tango definitely checks those boxes. And Cosmic Crisp is also checks those boxes. It's a little more of a floral flavor and a little less tart. Yeah, it's it's more delicate in a certain sense. Yeah, it's delicate. Yeah. Yeah. But it is famous because you can store it in your produce drawer for up to a year. And I've done it. It's not like as good as it was, you know. Right, when it was picked. Like, but it's pretty good after a year. When you said that, it reminded me of my father because my father stored his apples and it was basically gala, Macintosh, red delicious, yellow delicious, very mm-hmm. sort of normal plebeian kind of apples. Right, standard American. Standard yeah. American. In the bulkhead, you know what a bulkhead is, right? The entrance to Bulk- the oh, your yeah. basement through the stairs, right. right? But it's cool. It's like it's almost like a root cellar. And he would store yeah. it. And I, I have these memories of sitting there during the winter, just eating apples on the on yeah. the stairs, and there'd be Aww. all these bushels of apples. So my dad's apples would stay until the next year, and then we would harvest those, and then they Aww, would be for the next so year. Cool. Yeah, it's a really wonderful memory. Yeah. And it is the best way to store apples that I was visiting John Bunker, who is an apple grower and a fruit detective. Like mm-hmm. he's he's made a it his fruit mission to preserve. Detective? Yeah. He literally has brought apples back from near extinction. He lives oh, in Maine. Yeah. His his life is committed to kind of keeping these antique varieties alive. These heirloom He'll post varieties. wanted posters around the state. Like if he hears about an apple variety that he can't find, he'll do a wanted poster campaign. A wanted just poster the best. for an He's apple. He's amazing. That is yeah. hysterical. <laughs> wanted. <laughs> 
And he's also a grower and he stores his fruit in the root cellar in paper bags. So Mm -hmm. if you can do that, great. The best way to approximate that is in a paper bag in your produce drawer. Or if you only have a plastic bag, you could poke holes in the plastic bag. So you want the atmosphere around the apple to be a little bit more humid than if it was just sitting in your fridge. Right. But you don't want it to be so humid that it starts to break it down. So that's that's a good environment for it. Amy, what are your favorite apple recipes? I'm sure you have tons of them because you have a book on apples. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to pick my favorite among my children, yeah. I, you know, I, I spoke about grandma's apple crisp, which mm-hmm. is always the first thing I make. I did a great deep dish apple pie that I think it's amazing. It's, uh, I call it the blue ribbon deep dish apple pie, you know, filled with apples all the way to the crust, really buttery crust, just great. Mm-hmm. For Thanksgiving, I love to make uh, my cider brine turkey <sighs> with a cornbread, apple, sausage, sage dressing. That's mm. really mm. yummy. That sounds delicious. Oh, the Italian American in me loves to make apple risotto, which is a real dish. Is that a dessert? Um, and No. So this is the neat thing. If you think about apples, particularly very acidic apples, Mm -hmm. as a source of an acid flavor, rather than thinking about them in terms of their sweetness. Okay. You know, if you think of a Granny Smith apple, which has very little sweetness in the flavor, it's it's almost citric, right? Mm -hmm. So you almost think of it like lemon. And so this particular risotto recipe has like a tart apple, like a Granny Smith, chopped, diced, and then you add lemon. So you've got the acidity and then you add Parmesan and it's just wonderful. And it's a, it's actually quite a traditional Italian recipe. Well, it's calling out for me for, for sausage, pork sausage. I don't know why, yes. it just is. Yes, it's, yes. Because uh, I'm assuming that the apple and the acidity of the apples kind of replace wine, which when you normally are making risotto, right? You add wine as well. Oh, you so you've do. got wow. these nice acidic wow. flavors, but then you have the fat from the cheese and the creaminess and you use stock, you know, mm-hmm. chicken stock. And so it comes out like, I mean, Parmesan and apples taste great together. Yeah. So it's savory. It's very savory, but it has the little pops of acidity from the apple. And then, yeah, if you served it with like, you know, as a cozy fall meal with like grilled sausages and a nice like... Oof. Bitter green salad. Wouldn't that be great? Very nice combo. Mm, 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 yeah. Mm. And then we talked about the pork and apple pie. Yeah, and then the did. other one is cider donut muffins. Which we did live on Instagram. Oh, yes. Remember that? We did that together. Yes. That was really fun. That was a and lot they're of fun. they're so good and it's a little less fuss than making cider donuts, although I do have a recipe for those as well. These are muffins you bake in a pan, you brush them with butter and roll them in cinnamon sugar. So and good. You, so you get that nice crunchy exterior. Ooh, How about so you? What are your favorite apple Oh recipes? gosh, I have a lot of them. The most recent one, I created an apple rose tart and it was with the Sweet Tango where you make petals of roses and you make roses and you put them on top of a tart. Oh, I love that. Yeah, But what I did so was pretty. I made an apple pastry cream and Ooh. I used apple butter. So it's in a crust, a very buttery crust. I made pastry cream with apple butter that goes in, and I made all of my apple roses and put them on top. It was not oh. only just gorgeous, it was really delicious and unusual. Just unusual oh, to have an apple so nice. pastry cream. I'm going to look that up on your site. Yeah, and there's a super moist apple cake. This came from the uh-huh. guys who own Arrow's Restaurant in Maine. Remember that? That's where I got married. Oh, are you That's serious? That's where I got married in the apple orchard. Oh, my yeah. God. It was, it's Mark <laughs> Geyer and his 
husband. Clark Frazier. Clark Frazier. And so they have this super moist apple cake and it's just, it's very moist and wonderful. And you uh. pour all this cream on it before it bakes. And Ooh. it just becomes so oh my God. moist and marvelous. And then I have an apple and white cheddar scone recipe on the site, which nice. is really lovely. And then my apple pie with cheddar crust. I love uh -huh. that. It's just a, a simple apple pie that's got a cheddar crust. And of course, there is the apple and sausage with the cheddar crust. But right. You've taken the wind out of my sails with your version. <laughs> and see, mine are all sweet. I, don't, I rarely do... Um, Apples with savory, with savory, but there yeah. is one which is cider braised pork chops, and oh, it's nice. because it was the first meal the one made for me. It was like you know romance Aww. meal. We call it love food, and that's so sweet. that was like the first real meal he made me. And that's when I was young, Aww. thin, and beautiful, and barely <laughs> ate any. But it was you're still beautiful. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, yeah. I didn't Doesn't hear young or thin. The, the, yeah, look, neither of us didn't hear young, young or, thin. or as thin as we were. <laughs> But that's the only savory application. Yeah, well, yeah, I encourage you to think about apples in terms of their acidity and play around with that. Because like I have a cider braised, hard cider mm -hmm. braised brisket with green apples Ooh. and onion. Ooh. And it really works. You wouldn't, I don't think normally apples and beef would in any way go together. Right. But when you have a tart cider, a dry cider, and then the tart apples, it's just like a tart sauce Ooh, that you great. would, just like any sauce you'd make brisket with. Yeah. So I want to move on. We have actually, I'm surprising you, we have some reader questions. Oh, That have Ooh, been also great. on Leeds Culinaria. And I put a little call out. So here's some questions from readers and... You've not seen these, so this is off the cuff. You no. have not prepared. So Apple Anxious says, why is there a huge space between my pie filling and the crust? No matter how many apples I stuff in the pie, I still get that space. Yes. Okay. So this is a very effective way to, to prevent that. And it, I'm going to give credit because I first heard about it from Cook's Illustrated. And it's such a good thing, which is you want to pre-cook the apples just a little mm -hmm. bit in a Dutch oven. So you need a big pot because it's a lot of apples. But you put the slices in there with sugar and lemon juice and you cook them just until they soften. And what that does is it sets the pectins in the apples. And so then you cool them a little bit so they don't go into your pie crust mm -hmm. hot. And you put them in the pie crust when they've cooled to room temp and you bake it. And that way the apples have already done whatever shrinking they're going to do. And so they just go all the way up to the top of the crust and they're perfect and delicious and they still stay firm so you won't have mushy apples as long as you're using a firm apple. Right, like the Granny Smith or the Jonathan Gold apples. Uh, yes. <laughs> do you also still use the thickener, the cornstarch or the flour? Yeah, I do use a little bit. And the nice thing about that method is you add it in after the apples come off the heat and it just... You know, you don't use a lot because apples don't give off as much liquid as like a blueberry, mm -hmm. but you want to just make that glossy, yeah, thicker, really you know, marvelous, yeah, syrupy kind of sauce. So yeah. you kind of addressed this, but Emmanuel H said, "What is the best way to store apples?" Yeah, so in a paper bag in your produce drawer or in a plastic bag with holes punched into it, or you know, if you're lucky enough to have a root cellar in paper bags in your. Isn't root there cellar. something about apples and potatoes? You don't do them together. Yeah, or bananas. The ethylene gas that is released by those foods will speed up the ripening of the apple and just make it go 
mealy much faster. And in fact, that's why like the reason we can have apples in March or April is because they store the apples in these big rooms. They pump out the oxygen and pump in this gas called Smart Fresh. It blocks the action of ethylene, so it they just stay in suspended animation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds Franken-foody, but it's actually not. It's, you know, they lose something. They lose some of the aromatic qualities, but they do stay really nice and mm-hmm. crisp. And, you know, if that allows farmers to have, like, revenue farther yeah, into the well, year, I'm all that. for it. There is that. Now, I have a question. Can you freeze apples? You can. But it must make them mealy when they defrost, right? Yeah, because the cells are going to you know, expand and kind of explode. I mean, the pre-cooking, mm-hmm. like we were talking about with that mm-hmm. pie, pre-cooking them a little before will help with that. But, you know, you're just going to lose something in the texture, but it will be less extreme if you do pre-cook them a tiny bit before you freeze okay. them. And then one last question from Darlene Wyckoff. She asks, I make apple pops for my kids for Halloween. I think she means the kind oh. where you slice them and, and maybe like put chocolate on them or something. How do I stop the slices oh, nice. from turning brown before coating them? The surefire way is to, you know, to put your slices in lemon mm-hmm. water, which acidifies them and prevents the apples from oxidizing. The other way is to honestly use some of the newer varieties of apple, like in the honey mm-hmm. crisp, the cosmic crisp. You know, those apples have been bred not to, to brown. not brown. So if you use those, you don't even have to worry about mm. it. Well, Ames, I got to tell you, now we had you on the show years and years and years ago when Renee was my co-host, Renee Shetler, but I think I got more out of this interview than the first one. You know why? I think I got smarter. <laughs> you're, you're apple smart. <laughs> you're apple smart. No, I think I've had a little more time to perfect my spiel, you know? Yeah. And also we know each other better. That's true. Well, Thanks for all of the Apple info. I hope all of you out there, all of our listeners, will go out and use all this information and make some great Apple desserts and Apple savories and Apple brisket and have a happy Apple week. Yeah, happy Apple season. Talking With My Mouthful is produced by Overt Studios and our producer is the tender and sweet Adam Claremont. Amy, that was very good. Tender and sweet. You can reach Adam and Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. Remember to follow Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcast. And as always, if you like what you hear and want to support us, leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Ciao. Bye, David. Talking With My Mouthful is produced by Overt Studios, and our producer is the tender and sweet Apple Claremont. That was good, Amy. That was very good. You called him Apple Claremont. Did I call him Apple Claremont? <laughs> was that, did you not mean to do that? No. Was that really an accident? That was a real accident. I called you Apple Claremont? <laughs> That's oh, Gwyneth Paltrow's daughter. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh, I think I'm the one who needs the Prevagen. Okay, let me try this again. <laughs>